Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. Excited to be rolling along as we head to week three. We're going to talk some fantasy football today. Heath Cummings and Brian McFadden joining me. We're also going to have a historical debate, a historical hypothetical debate. Then we'll dive into the fantasy stuff. We'll take a break and we'll do some DFS as well, there's lots of injuries and a very insane waiver wire segment, uh, pickups, ads, plays, start sits to drop. But first, Heath, uh, I would like to tell, I would like you to tell, oh, first of all, hi guys, how you doing? BMAC, what's up? What's up? What's Heath? going? Um, t- uh, explain to BMAC the situation here because you were having a, I don't know how this debate started. I like this debate though because usually we get what could the Dolphins beat Alabama? Screw that. That debate's dumb. The Dolphins would slaughter Alabama. You have a better debate. Could the 2000 Dolphins yes. well, beat 2019? It, it started off yeah. as one kind of debate with Pete Prisco and all debates that start with Pete Prisco turn into good things. <laughs> um, we were talking about how far back you would have to go before the 2019 Dolphins would beat the Super Bowl champion of that year. And we're talking time travel. So we're talking you put the 2019 Dolphins in a time machine, transport them back, and and the year we started with was the 72 Dolphins because they were perfect. Did not lose a game. But they also, their offensive linemen weighed like 245 pounds apiece. So if you took this year's Dolphins team back to 1972, the consensus from everyone except for Pete and then eventually from Pete was that this year's Dolphins team would crush the 72 Dolphins. BMAC's like, whoa, hold on a second. Yeah, Pete, Pete, also, Pete also said that, uh, I think he said loudly in the office, he was like, you know who the 2019 Dolphins would really beat? The 2008 Steelers. He said we'd slow. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we really, like, that, that's not really much of a debate, I don't think. But no, the, like, no. the question was, where's the stopping point? Yes. So, but like I mean, like, where, well, I think it's worth asking BMAC, do you agree that, and I mean, obviously you never played against the 72 Dolphins, but do you agree with the consensus? And if Pete, if Pete came around on it, I'm assuming most people agree that the 2019 Dolphins would beat the 72 Dolphins. Agree or disagree? You know what? I agree with that. Okay. 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 Um, good. And so, yeah, I agree with that. I, I can see that happening. I mean, the, I mean, look, the reality of the situation is that the athleticism of modern day, like, Dudes in the seventies were smoking cigs at halftime. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, what's the, the famous Lynn Dawson shot, right? Where he's like, he's like sitting in the locker room, like in between in, in halftime, he's chiefing a cig. Like yeah. that's insane to think about. Can you imagine smoking a cig and then playing another half of football? And, and also too, think about, you know, how much the game has changed just from the offensive end. Um, now, you know, there are a lot of spread attacks. Uh, back then in the 70s, 80s, first and 10 was pretty much a run dominated down. Mm-hmm. You know, 21 personnel, you know, everything was generic. Um, and also, too, how many 4-3s was on that team? How many 4-4, legit 4-4s on that team? No, zero. Like, zero. Not one. I mean, who's, I, who's covering? Like, <laughs> not like Devontae Parker's going to catch everything, but who's covering Devontae Parker? Like, he's yeah. bodying those cornerbacks, right? I mean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Kenyon Drake would run for five five hundred yards. Yeah, they, I mean that the like you don't need to pass. No, <laughs> Just, the the, the seventy two Dolphins gave Larry Zonka two hundred thirteen carries and Mercury Morris one hundred ninety carries, and they mm-hmm. and they both average over five yards a clip. But like they're not going to Christian Wilkins is going to be in their grill on every play. He's going to I mean he, like he he's just going to break through that offensive line. I think so, right. I mean I just. So, 
Anyway. Right. So advancing to the the more interesting one was like how far back do you have to set the time machine before the Dolphins would definitely bet beat the Super Bowl champions? Would they beat the eighty five Bears? Well, I think. Well, I mean, I think like you can like wh- where did you guys get to where you feel like you could because I. You mentioned the the greatest show. I feel like the greatest show on turf would slaughter the 2019 Dolphins. I think the greatest show on turf would beat the Dolphins. I'm not slaughter. sure it would be a slaughter. The mid 90s Steve the, the, Young the, 49ers. But the, but the, the greatest show on we'll turf will beat them. The greatest yeah, show on turf almost beat Brady. Like, teams will beat them. Yeah. Uh, Steve Young 49ers, I, I think, would, but that's another five or six years before you get to the Mont- Montana 49ers. Those are like 270. Offense, like those offensive linemen are giving up fifty pounds. I feel like the, I feel the like the, I feel like the eighty-five Bears would take care of business. I mean, that's an all-time great defense. See, I think that's where we're getting too emotional about it. Steve, Pete Briscoe says it would be a forty-point game. It wouldn't even be close. I told him he, they didn't even beat most of the teams in their own era by forty points. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. Like the only player they had over three hundred pounds was the guy they called Refrigerator because it was so funny. That he, looked, he was too so huge, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Steve McMichael was like two seventy. Richard Dent was two sixty five. Mm-hmm. I don't think those guys are getting to the quarterback. I mean, the three hundred pound offensive lineman. I mean, the the eighty five Bears lost to the eighty five Dolphins. So like, maybe going to lose to the 2019 Dolphins. I don't know. I mean, the consensus seems to be that the uh, Dolphins would beat the 85 Bears. Although the 85 Dolphins did have Dan Marino on them. I mean, like, are the are the 80 are the 2019 Dolphins definitely beating? Uh, in like, I don't know. Do would we are we playing with 2019 rules or 80, like you know what I mean? Oh, well, I think the point. 85 Bears better hope they're playing with 2019 rules. Right, but I'm saying like you the, don't want to take a hit from one of these 300 pound players true, with the rules. They, the way they like they'd kill somebody. But isn't a team with Dan Marino on it? Isn't a Dolphins team with Dan Marino on it like going to beat the 2019 Dolphins just in a shootout with because it's Dan freaking Marino? Like if you, I mean, I just feel like he would. They're going to score more points. I, I don't know how any of his receivers are getting open against corn like corners in the eighties just couldn't play receiver, right? I mean, most corners in the eighties were physical. Um, but as far as the quickness and the speed that we're seeing nowadays, uh there might have been a few that had that, you know, skill that that attribute. All right, so but, you so your 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 assertion here, and, and I'm okay if this is the case, uh, is that Xavier Howard would smother Mark Clayton into oblivion, into oblivion. Is that, I mean, you've, you've shifted this thing from, uh, Willie Galt. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. No, no, I'm just, I'm just, Mark Clayton. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Okay. Like Willie Galt, Mark Clayton would be, are we sure that he would be better than Devontae Parker today? (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) I mean, not, not really. No. I mean, no, that's a, that's a fair point. Okay. So. Where do, where do you think the line is, Heath? Is it the? I think the line's the mid eighties. Like, I think you get to those Steve Young teams and there's no, like the, those teams are beating this, this Dolphins team. They were actually playing the same game, but this Dolphins team is currently playing. Most of the team in the mid eighties were not playing the game that we're playing today. And BMAC hit on it. It's, it's a different game. They didn't have the types of athletes to play at the speed that they play now. So do mm-hmm. you, so you think the, 87 Giants are beating the um the current Dolphins? Yeah. I think that's Although like, I don't I know if 87 uh no 88 we would not want to count because 88 was the strike here because I was actually looking fun fact the uh the last time there were two uh two teams favored by 20 points 
in the same week of the same season, 1987 during the strike. Uh, the, wow. um, we had the, uh, the, the, the Cowboys were favored by 21 and a half against the Eagles at home and the 49ers were favored by uh, 23 on the road in Atlanta. So yeah, I, think, I think, I think you get to those late eighties teams and you get to the point to where we might have some real competitive games. That's insane to think about. I mean, it's crazy to, to, to think about where athletes have gone. Well, like you just, the, the, I think the easiest way to think about it is I'd like for you to take the sprinters from the 88 Olympics and place them in the upcoming Olympics. And where do you think they're going to finish? Uh, dead last. At the back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we haven't just got better at running. We've gotten better at everything. The training, yeah, yeah, for sure. So what do you think, what was Pete Prisco's stance on this? Because I got a text from uh, Jamie Eisenberg that was like, Pete is over here screaming, Richard Dent would be a god today, a god! <laughs> is, this, is this accurate? Pete's um, <laughs> stance was that kind of the opposite. You could take those 85 bears, put them in a time machine, bring them here to the NFL, and they're all signing multi-million dollar deals because they're just – they're good. They were good enough back then to play in today's NFL. I mean, Ooh. Pete's the only Pete's the only one out of us that like was cover. Was he covering the NFL then? He, Probably he was, so. He was definitely yeah. covering sports then, if not the NFL. Like he was, he because he was he was covering the Jaguars in the in the mid nineties. Um, I don't know. So do we take Pete's word for it, BMAC, or do you think we look uh eighty five bears? It it depends because that 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 forty six defense they ran won't stand a chance in today's in the in the in the NFL today. I it mean would, it would stop the run. It wouldn't it, would it stop, wouldn't but, yeah. But it's a passing league now. So for me me personally, the only issue I would have with the eighty five bears, I think they probably had the athletes to be able to compete, but just the knowledge as far as being able to adjust to what we're seeing, four wide receiver sets, five wide receiver sets. I mean, most offenses don't even have a fullback nowadays. Right. And I think, too, it's like worth noting, like if you took Walter Payton and you put him in a time machine and you brought him to 2019, he would be a starting running back for an NFL team, right? We agree on yeah, 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 yes. yeah. Hands, down. But, Hands down. But that's different than an entire team of guys from 1985 playing an entire team of 2019 guys. And I also think, like, I, Walter Payton was the first running back I ever loved. That 85 Super Bowl was the first Super Bowl that I ever watched. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I think if you bring Walter Payton in a time machine today, he's closer to Kenyon Drake than he is to Saquon Barkley. Mm. Mm. Ooh. I, that seems I, I, weird to say, but, but. I mean, he was, like it was he was thirty five years ago. Yeah, and he was five ten, two hundred pounds. That's that's like me. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, do we want to take a guess at what Walter Payton's forty was? Uh, uh it's not. It's not like four seven, right? It wasn't. Uh, was it four seven? Four six. Oh my mm-hmm. god, that's insane! All right, uh, I can get down. I can get down with this. I, I think. I think. I mean, like. And again, you're not giving Walter Payton, you're not bringing him to 2019 and giving him 2019 training. Like if, if he had three years to prepare based on 2019 medical, like medical availability. Oh yeah, it's a totally different story. Right. He just is brought from his prime in 2000 and in 1985, plopped into 2019, and he's running a 4-6-4-7-40 at 5'10", 200 pounds as a pretty good receiving back, but not like a, you know, I mean, not, I mean, like his, his career high in receptions was 53. Like he's a, he's a very good receiving back, but not a, you know, a legendary one. Uh, he's going to succeed in the NFL, 
but he's probably not going to step in the field in week one and put up, you know, 300 rushing yards, right? Is that, that's where mm. we're at, I think. Right. Okay. All right. So the two that, so your final answer then would be the mid eighties generic, general time frame. Yes. I think that, I think the current Dolphins beat the 85 Bears. Mm. That's the take we're going to write about for this, for the, yeah. this, for the post on this tomorrow. All right. Let's get to, uh, some fantasy questions. I like this. That's a good hypothetical. Great job, Heath. Way to bring that to the podcast. Heath tweeted, I don't know if you saw it being back, but he tweeted, he's like, I'm going to try to hijack the podcast. I was like, no, 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 no. This is better. We like this. Let's go. Um, <laughs> that's a good question though. That's yeah, great barbershop talk. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's a lot like the, what, what would Michael Jordan do versus the, the 2019 Warriors, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. or, you know, or like how would Jordan fare in the modern NBA? Cause Jordan wasn't a great three point shooter. I mean, he could, he could shoot, but he wasn't a great three point shooter. Anyway. That's a whole different can of worms. What, uh, where are you at on these injuries, Heath, in terms of dealing with the Steelers and the Saints? We talked a little about it, you know, myself and Sean Wagner McGuff, just the fantasy impact. Um, who are you, who are you sliding up and who are you sliding down on Pittsburgh offensively when it comes to the Ben Roethlisberger injury that will knock him out for the full year? Yeah, no, I mean, nobody goes up with these injuries except for the backup quarterbacks, and none of them go up high enough to where I actually want to use them in fantasy. But I do think Juju is probably going to be okay as a starter, just not the breakout wide receiver we were hoping for this year. And it's like we don't really know what would have happened if Ben would have stayed healthy, but through the first six quarters, it did not look like he was – adjusting quite as quickly to being a true number one handling that coverage as I was hoping that he would. And now he has to do both that and deal with a backup quarterback. But I'm still starting Juju. Connor, kind of a similar situation. The team's going to score fewer touchdowns. So I don't hold him in as high of regard, but he'll still be a top 12, top 15 running back. Um, Vance McDonald was heavily involved, more involved once Rudolph took over than he was beforehand and scored two touchdowns. So maybe he'll be a top 12 tight end now. I'm just wait and see on those other wide receivers. I mean, the new Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard is James Washington played with Mason Rudolph at <laughs> Oklahoma State. And that is true, but he actually ta- targeted Deontay Johnson more last week than he did Washington. So let's just wait and see. I, if you, for some reason, still have Dante Moncrief on your roster, you can cut him. <laughs> Good Lord. Please yeah. let go of him. BMAC, what, BMAC, <laughs> what are your, what are your thoughts on, uh, what Mason Rudolph can do with the Steelers? Cause I mean, you know, this is a high round pick. Good guy with a good pedigree, but you know, he's filling in for a legend here. I, I'm excited because technically there's no pressure on Mason Rudolph. Um, if the team lose with him at the, as a starting quarterback, they're supposed to lose. I mean, many people feel like the, the, the season is already down the drain because you lost Big Ben. Uh, you have no playoff hopes anymore. You don't have any competitive hopes anymore. So he should be extremely relaxed. And I think we kind of saw that when he filled in for Big Ben last week. He came in. Um, unexpectedly was extremely calm, cool, and collective. And because of that, he put up pretty decent numbers. Actually, the offense looked better with Mason Rudolph in the lineup than it did when Big Ben was there before the injury. Um, that interception was not his fault. Uh, Dante Moncrief, the guy we just talked about, another drop. He actually has more drops than catches in two ball games. So that clearly tells you this experiment is not doing well. The one area that I would like to see Mason grow in is his average per reception for, per pass. Uh, I think he was roughly under six yards this Sunday, um, his average. And, you know, that tells me he was not comfortable taking shots down the football field. Now, granted, he had a, 
uh, uh, a, a deep ball to Juju. He's off a flea um, flicker though, so it was like yeah, it any was, any flea and he badly under like he it's a touchdown if he puts it out there and Juju can run under it. Yeah, yeah. So when I look at quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks, I like to look at their average, you know, average yards per pass. And that tells me a lot about their confidence in the offense and their confidence in their ability to be aggressive down the football field. And most starting quarterbacks, you know, you want to be in that anywhere between seven, eight, nine, ten yard range. Right. Yep. And seeing Mason not hit that six yard number, uh, six yard average. I don't I, I, I didn't see a guy that was comfortable and relaxed enough to take shots now granted mason went into last week's ball game not expecting to play <laughs> so maybe we'll we'll see a different a, a different mason rudolph as far as being more aggressive taking shots down the football field than what we saw this past sunday but i'm excited for him i think he can get the job done yeah, i mean i'm not selling my steelers heath just because i don't think you can get much for it like you're not going to get what you want for juju if you trade him uh and if you're like me and you drafted juju and michael thomas at the 12th pick uh, on the turn welcome to hell because but, you, but you're not afraid to make uh azer offers to me for uh <laughs> for michael thomas what did, what did i offer you for michael thomas it was a bad offer i can't remember what it was. uh stefan diggs uh it was diggs for thomas yeah yeah i think i actually made the offer and i was like oh crap that's heath uh, and i was like well i'm not going to delete the offer he's already seen that i've made it and he'll yeah. just it'll just be a pain in his ass while he's doing waivers sorry about that um and it was i'm assuming right <laughs> the uh what do you well what do you think about michael thomas though i mean are you i feel like thomas at least has you know the idea that like he's a more of a possession receiver than juju or, or maybe like teddy bridgewater or lock on to him i think the guy who gets a bump and i said this is latavius murray i'm curious what you think about that Teddy Bridgewater already locked onto him. 36% of his passes last week went to Michael Thomas. So maybe Thomas I, is a buy. I don't, I'm, oh, I'm buying low on Michael Thomas where I can. Okay. Um, I, the difference for me, and there's certainly some upside with Mason Rudolph, but I've seen enough to believe that Teddy Bridgewater is not too far from a league average quarterback. Mm. And with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and Sean Payton, I think he possibly could be a league average quarterback. And he's latched on to Thomas as the number one receiver. So maybe the touchdowns go down a little bit. But in PPR, I still think Thomas is a top five option. I The only thing I don't know about Latavius, his role the first two weeks in comparison to Kamara has not been the Mark Ingram role. He's mm-hmm. not getting the same number of touches that Ingram did. And I worry that with as for as long as Bridgewater's the starting quarterback, they may be playing from behind a little more often than they would have when Breeze was the starter, and that doesn't seem like Latavius Murray time to me. I'm pretty much buying Thomas, buying Kamara, avoiding everyone else, and I'll start Teddy Bridgewater in two quarterback leagues. Wow. Mm. Well, you, you, made a, you made a little noise there, BMAC, when uh, Heath mentioned Teddy Bridgewater. What do you think? Can Teddy Bridgewater get 60% of Drew Breeze here? I mean, what, what do you, what do you, how do you think he matches up? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I'm a bit concerned. I just saw today uh, they yet to announce who the starting quarterback will be for Seattle. And I'm like, why? Like, we all felt like it it will be Teddy. And they're saying um, that uh, uh, Taysom Hill may get a few looks at the quarterback position. So I don't understand that logic. But I think we'll see a better Teddy Bridgewater this week than what we saw last week. And here's why. Sean Payton knows that Teddy Bridgewater is a starting quarterback. And because of that, he's able to develop the game plan surrounding Teddy based on what Teddy does well. Remember last week when Teddy stepped in, that game plan was designed for who? Drew Brees. So you can't really call the same game 
for Teddy Bridgewater like you would call for Drew Brees because they're two different quarterbacks. But Sean Payton is experienced enough. He's a he's an intelligent play caller, offensive minded guy to understand and know if I have a week to prepare for a team knowing that Teddy Bridgewater is my guy, this offense will be more effective this Sunday because of that. We've uh, we've gotten obviously the buzz is all about Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but what about Dak Prescott? Is there a chance that those three guys he finishes the top as the top three fantasy quarterbacks this year? Oh, I think there's definitely a chance. I've been extremely impressed with not only Dak Prescott, but just their offensive philosophy, the offense that they are running. They are throwing the ball downfield. They're actually moving players before the snap. They have guys running different routes, and some of those routes actually work together as like a, a concept. <laughs> It's it's something that Dak has to be just over the moon about because he's never experienced anything like this. It's been a rough it's been a rough two weeks for Scott Linehan. Not a, not great for his <laughs> brand so far. A- absolutely, and they are not leaning on the running game quite as much. And that started a little bit in the second half of last year after they acquired Amari Cooper. Dak was on pace for forty three hundred passing yards in the second half. I he's a top two quarterback for me this week, and I'm just going to leave him in my top five the rest of the year. Wow, I like it. Uh, what, what have you seen from the Cowboys, BMAC, that leads you to believe uh, this is all sustainable and that, or, or, I mean, or is it? Or maybe it's, I mean, maybe it's not. I mean, we've, they played, you know, they played the Giants and the Redskins. Maybe they're going to run into some trouble against the, oh, checks, notes, Dolphins. Probably not. Maybe week four will be a problem. I mean, it's, it has to it, get harder. It has to yeah, get the, harder, right? It, it will get harder, but right now it's a blessing in disguise because, because your most important player is establishing confidence. I mean, each week he's believing more in his ability. And that was the biggest knock on this team in years past with Dak Prescott at the starting quarterback position was the quarterback. Like we felt like in critical situations playing against a playoff caliber team with a championship like quarterback, Dak Prescott can could not get the job done. But what he's doing now, he's establishing confidence by beating the sick in the shed in, basically. And that will do wonders when he get into the difficult part of the schedule. And to answer your first question about can they sustain this level of play? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I say that because they have so many key contributors on that offense that, that at any given time, they can take over and dominate. We know what Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott can do, right? So we're just waiting for that moment for him to be the vocal point of the offense. Right now, they don't have to use him as such because their offensive pass catchers are doing a wonderful job creating separation. You got Amari Cooper, who's a proven wide receiver number one. I think the addition of Randall Cobb is a huge upgrade from Cole Beasley. Michael Gallup has really been an unsung hero in that offense. And old man Jason Witten continues to get open in the red zone. So offensively, they're the most balanced team in their division. And that's why I said this past weekend, the NFC East is their division to lose. And then secondly, when you want to talk about the defense, that defense, especially now getting Quinn back in the lineup, who was mm-hmm. suspended the first two ball games, that front is impressive. I have concerns with the guys on the back end defensively in the secondary, especially at the safety position. I really thought they potentially could make a run at uh, Mika Fitzpatrick. But granted, if that front, if they raise a lot of hell in the, in the first level, that would take pressure away from the guys in the third level in the secondary. So they should be fine. Uh, and, two, and I think they, I think they can sustain this level of play. Two uh, two gambling notes here for people that might be interested in this. I'm looking at an offshore. I just don't have the the. I'll, I'll find the Westgate futures in a second, but I'm sure they're pretty close. The Cowboys to win the NFC East are minus one twenty five. 
Go hammer that. The Eagles are banged up as hell. The Cowboys look great. They're going to get another win this week against the Dolphins. Uh, and they look like the best team in the division. And there's another one. What kind of dog you got? You got a dog or a cat, be mac Uh, dog. What kind uh, of dog? A Rottweiler. Ooh, that's a, yeah, that dog would eat my dog for lunch. Um, maybe a little mid-morning snack. The, uh, and then the other one that I was shocked to see this number out there. Heath, what would you guess the Ravens are to win? Oh, excuse me. According to Debo, the cow, yeah, the Cowboys are 10, 10 to 11. So they're just under, uh, basically even to win the, to win the division. What would you guess the AFC North is to win the division? The Ravens are to win the AFC North? Yeah. At this point in time with, um, Ben Roethlisberger out for the season, the Bengals one and, uh, Bengals 0 and 2 and the, uh, I don't know, whatever the, the Browns are 1 and 1. Uh, two to one. No, no, no. Minus one. It's like minus 140. But the Ravens look like clearly the best team in that division. I would hammer it's the Ravens. two games though. What were they two games ago? No, it's, like, the value is going down. But I feel like they should be like minus 250 with Big Ben done. Am I crazy? I, I didn't think that the Steelers were going to factor into the AFC North. Yeah. Uh, well, the Browns look like the crap too. Browns and Ravens. The Browns have okay. looked not very good, but they're only a game back and they haven't played each other yet. I just, like, I, I would, I picked the Ravens to win the division. Before the season. Okay. So I, I, I'm not doubting their chances. Yeah, well, we I'm just surprised it's moved that much over two games. But yeah. then again, I was the guy that thought people should take the over in the Ravens Cardinals last week. So yeah, you and I, well, we, that should have hit. That should have hit. We got, we're apologies from both Heath and I. We thought we <laughs> moved lines and, and the, and our original line that we liked that I bet I took it 43 and 44. Neither one hit, but you know why? Cause Cliff Kingsbury is kicking the first human in NFL history to kick five field goals inside the five yard line in the first two weeks of the season. What are you doing, Cliff? You run the air raid, <laughs> spread it out and run a draw to David Johnson or throw, let Kyler throw it. My God, man. Uh, okay. Moving along. Daniel Jones, NFC East, sticking there. Any chance you, you think he'll be fantasy relevant this week, this year, Heath? You know, it's funny because if you'd have told me at the beginning of the year his first start's going to be against Tampa Bay, I would have said, oh, that's a great matchup. And mm. now I've seen Tampa Bay's defense play two weeks. I'm like, I'm not sure that's a great matchup. Fair and his is. number one wide receiver is Benny Fowler. So I don't think so for this week. Um, but I have some interest. Listen, before the preseason, before training camp, I was not a very big Daniel Jones fan. I Still have not seen him show that he can be good when things get off schedule. Mm. But in the preseason, he showed against the twos and the threes, when things are on schedule, he has a lot of talent. I'll be very interested to see what he does if Tampa Bay brings some different blitzes and he has to make some decisions on the fly. Okay. Uh BMAC, I want to ask you, by the way, there should be some more running from, uh, from, from Daniel Jones. So I would not be surprised if he, you know, if he had a nice little baseline in terms of rushing yards. BMAC, when, if you were, Let's say you and, uh, you and Dick LeBeau and, and Troy Palomalo and, and your boys are huddling up trying to game plan for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. What are you doing to stop them this week? No, and Tyreek Hill is out. You got Miko Hardman out there, Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins, Damian Williams is banged up, but you're still accounting for him, and Darwin Thompson, LaShawn McCoy. Who, what is, what's the game plan there to like try and limit what Patrick Mahomes does? Do you try and take out a certain receiver? What, what, what would be your approach there? Well, knowing Tyreek Hill is not participating, that would be the ideal receiver you would want to uh, X out of the game plan. The second best option would be Travis Kelsey. And I look at what teams did against the uh, the Chiefs a year ago that had success. And I go back to the AFC Championship game where the Patriots, they were just lights out 
the majority of that ball game there in Kansas City. And one thing I noticed about what they did was they were extremely aggressive. They were playing in your face, bump and run coverage, and they were disrupting the wide receivers off the line of scrimmage. And what that did was that messed up the timing of the entire route combination as far as getting into your route and being able to allow Pat Pat Mahomes to go through his progressions. And that made Pat Mahomes either hold the ball longer than what he would want to and mess up his rhythm in the backfield as, as a passer. One thing people don't really talk about is that Pat Mahomes is the best rhythm quarterback in the National Football League. He's one of the best rhythm throws I've ever seen. And what I mean when I say rhythm, a rhythm throw is similar to a streaky shooter in the NBA, a streaky shooter in basketball in general. Once they get in the flow, lights out. Good night, cut the lights off, it's time to go to bed. You can't stop them. But when you allow him to not get into rhythm, then you're not seeing the guy be as accurate as he's been, especially in the first two ball games. So for me personally, when you talk about going against a rhythm like passer, you have to find a way to disrupt his rhythm. And the best way to do that is to get hands on these pass catchers and occasionally send different looks at him because even though he's an MVP, he's still a very, very young quarterback. It's not like he's seen a lot like the likes of a Drew Brees or Philip Rivers or a Tom Brady. He still has a, he hasn't seen everything that defensive coordinators can throw at him. So you can't just show your hand. You got to give him exotic looks. But most importantly, if you can disrupt these pass catchers, go back guys and watch the highlights from the Raider game. Look at how many wide receivers had a free release off the line of scrimmage for them to get into their routes and just run through coverage without being touched. Time and time again, that's what the Raiders did. And then when they tried to play bump and run, it was a little too late. The game was already out of hand. Mm. All right, well, Heath, let me ask you this then. Knowing that they that the Ravens, presumably with a better secondary than the Raiders have, will try and jam these guys, uh, what are you going to do when it comes to starting these Chiefs wide receivers? Because Miko Hardman should have had two touchdowns last week. Demarcus Robinson did. Everyone added him. I'm going to guess that he's like if, if he was added in – a thousand leagues, just as a, a random number, he'll be started in 750 of those leagues because people will, people expect the same thing they got the week before and that might not happen, right? Yeah. And I, I, I posted a long Twitter thread about this. I'll try to give the Cliff Notes version here because this kind of goes towards my philosophy in terms of projecting as well. The way this offense works, about 60 to 65% of the targets are going to go to Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, and Damian Williams. That does not leave very much in a given week for Nicole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, LaShawn McCoy, Darwin Thompson, all those other guys. And we don't have one of them that stands out above the rest. So do Hardman or Robinson have that potential to boom on a weekly basis? Absolutely. But I had them both behind Nelson Aguilar, behind Terry McLaurin on my wow. waiver priority this week because I don't think there's going to be any regularity with which you can predict when is it going to be the week that they catch the 60-yard touchdown pass. And if, if if there is, it would be when they're playing the Raiders, not when they're playing the Baltimore Ravens. This offense was far more ambitious in road games last year. Played it closer to the vest at home because I think Andy Reid thought that he could and just use Arrowhead to play a little defense. I I don't feel confident starting either Hardman or Robinson unless you were in a desperation situation and you just like, I want the guy that could boom. They are the guys that could boom. Mm, all right. Uh, any, BMAC, when you look at this, then, uh, look, I mean, if you, if you have, if you have a bad option at flex and you're starting, like, like you would rather start Miko Hardman than Justin Jackson if you're desperate, if you're an 0-2 team, right? 
I would not. You would not. I, 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 I like, I agree with Heath. I like Justin Jackson because I believe he's going to get more opportunities than a guy like Hardman. Right now, even without Tyreek Hill, one would say Hardman would be the fourth option, mm. right? As far as pass catchers. Yeah. Pro- I mean, yeah, probably. Right? I mean, if, unless I, Damian Williams is out, but even then, he's probably going to, you know, Darwin Thompson will just fill into the Damian Williams role. Hey, Heath, question for you. Uh, hearing the status with, uh, LaShawn McCoy, granted, they're saying he should be able to play with that ankle injury. Uh, what are your thoughts about Darwin Thompson? I don't know that Darwin Thompson is quite to the point with the Chiefs that he is with fantasy analysts and fantasy players. We are all very excited about what he did in the preseason and what he could do if he gets an opportunity. I just like if if LaShawn McCoy was out and Damian Williams was there or vice versa, if one of those guys is there, I'm not so sure that Daryl Williams wouldn't get some of those touches. They Ooh. seem to trust him more as a runner. Damian's right Damian's brother, by the way, Daryl. It's not. <laughs> no, it's, not, no, it's, not it's not. It's not. But like I, I wouldn't be able to trust Darwin Thompson unless both Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy were out in a given week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what? Um, what do you think? What, what do we think about Thursday night? This game stinks. What are we <laughs> defenses play? Do you even play the defenses? Play the defenses and the running backs. I traded D.D. Westbrook for Del- Delaney Walker because I was lost. Hunter Henry thoughts. Sure. Yeah. I just. I mean, are you are you playing Fournette this week against the Titans? You yes. Start, you, okay, you're playing Fournette and Henry, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's a that's a thing, right? I mean, that's an important thing to note. Everybody's you doing should that. start the running backs and you should start the defenses and you should start Delaney Walker and you should ignore the like I, they asked me on Thursdays to give a DFS lineup on on HQ. And this is the first time ever that I've chosen both teams kickers to fill out my <laughs> DFS lineup. I couldn't think of anyone else I wanted to play. Uh, all yeah. right. Uh, BMAC, any any thoughts on uh, really quickly because uh, Jalen Ramsey. And his trade request and what it does to the Jaguars defense if he does end up being traded somewhere. Well, this is a defense that I have already, you know, lost faith in. Mm. Um, the first ball game and then last week against, uh, Houston. The issue that I ha- I'm having with the Jacksonville is that they're no longer known as Saxonville. And when it comes to fantasy defenses, you're either going to get turnovers or you're going to get sacks. You can't get, you cannot get either. And that's what they're doing now because of that. That's why I personally dropped Jacksonville and I went with a defense like Green Bay because I think Mike Pettin is a guy that's going to get sacks. Jacksonville right now, scheme wise, they're not doing a lot to get sacks and no one is really winning their one on one battles on the front. So me personally, I'm not really high on Jacksonville's defense anymore. Especially if they lose Jalen, you definitely can count them out. But even with Jalen right now, I'm not that high on them. I love that we have, I, by the way, I am pro dog barking and dog appearances on this podcast. <laughs> we have, what's your dog's name, B-Mac? Sade. Sade? We have, uh, yes. we have Sade McFadden. We have, mm-hmm. uh, Copper Lockenfora and George Brinson makes regular appearances on this podcast. So <laughs> I'm here for it. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and B-Mac, we're, we're going to cut you loose and we'll do some, uh, DFS when we yes, return. Sir. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, back for some DFS talk. We're not going to make BMAX sit here and do DFS talk, Heath. It's fine. I don't, I don't, I mean, BMAC's not a DFS guy, I don't think. I, he, he indulged us enough with the, uh, 85 Bears versus the 2019 Dolphins, so. I, f- I felt like, I felt like he enjoyed that, although he was like, he may not have taken the 08 Steelers things as funny as I meant it to be, but that's okay. Um, actually, before we get to the DFS, uh, I thought it was a good topic that Debo put in the rundown. Um, guys you might be giving up on, or things you might be giving up on after two weeks. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, a viable fantasy option. Give up or, uh, or, or still believe it's possibility? He's a quarterback, so I'm okay giving up on that. I do anticipate at some point this season I'm, my, my flame will be rekindled, but, uh, for now I'm okay giving up on him. I think week five against the Raiders, DFS time, sure. DFS yeah. time. It's a, it's a Mitch Allen Robinson stack when no one is going to be on him for a, for a GPP play. Uh, okay. You're on my side here. Todd Gurley, not the same, right? Why is Chris Towers why is Chris Towers beating this drum? And maybe you're, maybe you're with him. I don't know. Why is he beating this drum that Todd Gurley's great and you shouldn't trade Todd Gurley? Azer's the same way. He's like, I wouldn't trade Todd Gurley for Juju or Michael Thomas. Like, give me the, give me the receivers all day. This guy with an arthritic knee is getting 17 touches a game. Get out of here. I definitely would have traded Todd Gurley for Juju or Michael Thomas well, yes. uh, a couple before, ago. Before the quarterbacks. Yes. Um, I don't think I would trade Todd Gurley for Juju. I do think I would trade him for Thomas and PPR. Um, the touch thing, I, I had him projected for 17 touches per game. Okay. He has been almost exactly what I expected, except for the two touchdown thing in week one. I think that was mostly fluky. So I had him projected slash ranked as a high-end number two running back. That's what I think he's going to be for the rest of the year. I don't, he's not the same guy. Well, it's not the same offense. Right. I guess, I guess my, maybe, maybe Towers and I, when we're arguing about this, are arguing about something different. Like he, he, he says, he's like, Todd Gurley's giving you what you wanted when you drafted him. And I guess my point was like, I didn't want to draft him until the third round because I don't want to invest in Todd Gurley knowing that the name value pumps up his price. You know what I'm saying? I agree with that completely. Yeah. Like if I'd gotten Todd Gurley in the third round, I'm fine with it. He's, he's what I want. He's a third, he's a, he's a viable high running back too. Like, Todd Gurley, Marlon Mack, whatever, you know, I'll take Mack, but whatever you want. I mean, you know, uh, what are you, are you giving up on the idea that the Vikings wide receivers could be, uh, elite options? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, week two scared me more than week one did. For sure. Because, because <clears throat> week they two, had they were Yeah. The whole game. And they threw 32 passes. Mm. 32 passes is what Patrick Mahomes throws when he doesn't play the fourth quarter. <laughs> and Cousins has looked terrible. I'm not sure that Mike Zimmer trusts Kirk Cousins, and I'm not sure he's wrong for not trusting him. I think he just, like, if I don't like the way Mike Zimmer wants to play football, but I understand it, and it's similar to what they're doing in Seattle, except Mike Zimmer looks at it and says, I have an okay quarterback. I have a great running back. 
I have a phenomenal defense. Why don't I just play slow and win and not get cute? The This could be actually be a decent game for them against the Raiders, though. They were bad in coverage. I mean, like, I could see 200-yard games to those receivers on play action here. This is this is the problem with the, my way of ranking um, because I agree with you, and, like, I can envision it, and if I wasn't using projections to do rankings, I would possibly rank them a lot higher than I'm going to this week. Sure. But I'm projecting Kirk Cousins to throw the ball 27 times. And that might be too high. If they're, if right. Mike Zimmer's not going to just run up the score on the Raiders because he wants to get his, make his receivers happy. If they're if up, he throws 25, yeah, if he throws 25 passes, that's probably six or seven targets apiece for Thielen and Diggs. That's just not enough. Right. So, I mean, it might be, so, but it but, shouldn't be. But be, because look, you're not going to hear from me and he, I mean, you can listen to fantasy football today. You should be doing that every, every day anyway, but you won't hear Heath on this podcast if you're a Pick Six podcast listener. So if, Diggs or Thielen go off against the Raiders this weekend, go find somebody who needs a wide receiver and sell high on them because they have yep. the Bears, Giants. The Giants, Eagles, Lions, Redskins is not a terrible matchup. Then Chiefs, Cowboys, Broncos into the bye. But, I mean, like, they, there are some tough defenses out there, and if they can run all day against uh, bad teams, they're going to do that, and that's just what Mike Zimmer wants to do. Are you – where are you at on O.J. Howard, who was in the – I mean, tight end, man. What a weird season for the tight ends. Because the Kittle was guys had 17 touchdowns called back already this year. Ertz has seen a little bit of regression as we expected. Kelsey's Kelsey, he's fine. Uh, you know, Evan Ingram's a stud. Hunter Henry's hurt. O.J. Howard is being joined by uh, Vance. Uh, you know, who, who am I thinking of? Uh, the guy in Oakland, Darren Waller. I mean, it's just a, it's just a weird season for tight ends. Where are you at on O.J. Howard? I'm in petrified do nothing mode. Okay. Hold uh, anywhere I drafted O.J. Howard, I'm starting him again this week. I'm hopeful, like another Pete Prisco theory, hopeful (laughs) that Bruce Arians calling him out publicly Mm. was designed to motivate him a little bit, and now they're going to give him a little bit of carrot in week three. They gave him the stick, and now the carrot's coming in week three with some red zone targets. Okay. We could see that happening. By the way, uh, for those that are curious, in that game, Mike Evans, uh, very high up on the air yards by low list that Josh Hirschmeyer does. Maybe revealing proprietary information. I don't know if you'd seen that, but, uh, Mike Evans and also, God, this is a great segue by me. Mike Evans cheaper than Chris Godwin in daily fantasy, Heath. Why, why is that a thing? This is a buy, buy, buy Mike Evans for me this week. Yeah. Uh, last week I did the Tyler Boyd is cheaper than John Ross and looked brilliant for like 59 Until minutes or something. The last pass by Andy Dalton. Yes. Um, I, I, understand more why Godwin is more expensive than Mike Evans. Uh, it's been two games now. Godwin's been better. They talked him up a lot in the offseason. I still expect by the end of the year Evans is better. I'm not sure that it happens this week. I've got him ranked pretty similarly. Um, that's not one of the places I'm really choosing okay. to attack, at least right now. I'm probably not going to have as much of either of them as the field does. All right. You uh, have Nelson Aguilar listed as a contrarian play along with Michael Thomas. We talked about Thomas, uh, who would be heavily targeted by Teddy Bridgewater. You also list Larry Fitzgerald and Keenan Allen as guys you like. Tell me why you like that group of wide receivers. Well, Larry Fitzgerald is just very close to, I'm just going to play him in every one of my 150 lineups this week. And if he's not good, I'll eat it. But he is way too cheap he's fifth in the nfl on targets 
He's averaging the highest yards per reception that he has in like the last eight years. They're using him down the field, and somehow he's 5,100 on DraftKings and 5,900 on FanDuel. So I'm just going to play him everywhere. Uh, Keenan Allen is my number one wide receiver this week. 15 targets. It's weird that he didn't score, but I expect that he will. And then Nelson Aguilar, like he might end up being chalk because he's only 4,800. And I, like if people look at what he's done when he's received this type of workload, then everyone should play him. Mm. I'll play him in cash, even if he is chalk. If he's if he's really high owned in tournaments, then I might look a different direction. But he should be very good. Back to Larry Fitzgerald, 13 and 11 targets in his first two weeks. God, he's just. He just they're just not scoring touchdowns. This offense could break out fairly soon, I think. Oh, I think it could break out this week. Yeah, um, I'm I'm with you on that one. This is a Kyler is a buy. Are you are you would you consider then at quarterback going uh, t- Kyler Larry Fitz stack? I would consider it. Um, he's not one of my top four quarterbacks by value, but he's he's not too far behind those guys on Fanduel in terms of value. It's gonna it's gonna be really interesting. My presumption, I haven't seen ownership projections yet, is that like forty percent of the field is either going to have Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. Wow, probably that's probably right. And then, by the way, that under is coming down quickly. R.J. White pointed that out to me. It's dropped like three points. Uh, Eric Fisher is ruled out against for the Chiefs. Then you've got Dak playing the Dolphins with with like a. 34 point implied total. Then you got Brady playing the Jets with like a 34 and a half point total. Mm. So if if Kyler's going to be like the hard thing is, can you play Kyler over Josh Allen? Yes, but you don't have to. I picked up I Josh Allen. I picked up Josh Allen to replace Ben Roethlisberger everywhere. Like I think he's going to have a big week against the Bengals. Yeah, I I think he is too. He's only three hundred dollars more on Fanduel, so I'll be more likely to play him when I go sub eight thousand. And then the really interesting thing will be if they rule Cam out. Cam, I'm, I'm going I'm to tell you right now, Cam's not playing. Okay, uh, then Kyle Allen for the bare minimum six thousand dollars at quarterback is going to be very very tempting because you can play him with some of those Arizona Cardinals and just hope that he gets the garbage time. Uh, he didn't look too bad in week 17, and that wasn't against a defense that was like full bore. It was the Saints kind of half starters, half second team. But I'm pretty sure this week 17 Saints defense is better than the week three Cardinals defense. Cardinals defense is terrible. That game could be a shootout for sure. I mean, like, right. and it sucks that it's not Cam, unfortunately. What about tight ends? Uh, would you use Greg Olson in that game? Um, and if not, uh, where would you go uh, in terms of top tight end plays or contrarian plays? Yeah, I think the top two tight end play has to be Zach Ertz. Saw 16 targets last week because there was no else. I Sean didn't feel that no way. Deshaun Jackson. Did not feel that way. Yeah, I I understand. Tw- 27 of their targets went to Ertz or Aguilar. Wow. In that game. Uh, so yeah, Zach, I think Ertz has to be the cash play. Although I anticipate that Kelsey will be chalkier and Mark Andrews will as well. Uh, and then I I'm going right back to Evan Ingram. Okay. He was a my favorite value last week, he wasn't very good. Tampa Bay has been crushed by tight ends in their first two games. 
and he's still cheaper than all those elite options. So I, I think he'll be low. Like with the ownership of Kelsey, Ertz, and Mark Andrews, I, I would guess Ingram is going to be down there. I, I like that Ingram play because you're talking about a rookie quarterback in his first year against a team that can't stop tight ends, gave up a ton of targets, ton of catches to Greg Olson, who was viable in fantasy uh, last week. And I, I would expect that Daniel Jones leans on Ingram. It's his top weapon. We don't know, especially if – is it was it better or worse if Sterling Shepard comes back for Ingram? Do you think? I think it's probably worse. I just mean from like uh like it's worse for usage, but is it better for maybe people stay off of Ingram because they're worried that Shepard's back? Or people just see the thing was like everybody went to Ingram last week because Shepard was gone and then Ingram couldn't beat the double coverage. So I don't know that I think he's going to be low owned either way. Okay, all right, fair enough. Uh, and uh, finally, do we talk about what do we uh, running backs? Uh, who are you, who are you looking at in terms of running back? <laughs> Thank you, Debo. Running backs. Uh, who are you looking at in terms of running backs and, uh, and your contrarian plays there? Yeah. In cash games, I'm just playing McCaffrey and Delvin Cook and forget about it. Don't ever, uh, don't ever think like, it, right? I mean, like, would, no, would you make them like, uh, like, is it like a lock it and move on situation for, for tournaments too? Or are they just going to be so highly owned that you got to go somewhere else? Well, the, like the interesting thing is the chalk's going to be Zeke because he's playing the Dolphins. But see, I would not be surprised if the Cowboys gave like, it's like a Tony Pollard game. I expect Tony Pollard to play the entire fourth quarter. For sure. I mean, if they're up 28 points, why are they going to run Zeke into the ground if they just give him a new contract? They showed clearly they care way more about his health now that they paid him than they did before. Right. If, if er, early ownership projections are correct, I'm going to play a ton of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, his early projection had about 2.1% ownership in tournaments this week. Just had like 26 touch, 31 touches yeah. last week. I don't remember how many it was. 10 catches. And yeah, it's like the right, it makes sense. You don't want to play a running back on a team that's a 22 point underdog. Like we're looking for home favorites. Sure. But Le'Veon Bell's only kind of playing running back right now. He's playing number one receiver, tight end and to running check, back all check at the down, same time. Check down option to terrible quarterback. And so as long as they're going to use him like that, if I can get him at 2% ownership for less than $8,000, I love that. Okay. Uh, there's your DFS action. Any, any good, uh, any good beer that you've had lately, Heath? You know, I had a, uh, belching beaver Mexican lager with a lime into in it. I've got one more left in here that has been outstanding that was sent to me by, uh, the good folks at the Darren Smith show out in San Diego. So that's been exciting. Uh, and, um, what else did I have? Uh, I'm trying to think that's, that's been really the highlight for me. I, I have, I've not logged a new beer in the last week and a half. I'm going to have to change that. I, I think it's just because I went for football season and stocked up on hazy little thing and, uh, space camper from Boulevard. So I just had, like the last thing I had was a uh, stone 12, 12, 12 vertical epic ale. And it was, it was very, very good. Can you hear my child talking here? Did you hear? Robert? No, not Robbie, at all. Robbie, do you want to say I, hey? Say hey to Mr. Heath and say hey to the Pick Six. Say hey, Pick Six podcast. Hey, Pick Six podcast. Okay, go downstairs. I'll get you some more ears in a second. Get out of here, you nerd. Go get your mom and get her up. You got to go to choir. That's right, choir. It's a little humberbag. It's nothing there. Um, okay, let's get out of here. Uh, it's clearly time for me to go. Clearly time for you to go. Heath, uh, always a pleasure, buddy. Did we? Did I miss anything? I could have missed something. Devo, yell at me if I missed something. I don't think so. We're probably good. All right, we'll get out of here. Talk to you, uh, talk to you next week.